How are you? Like, what, what I, did you did you uh, ever get around to fixing your lawnmower? And you're like, yeah, cool, cool. It's so fun. Yes. Anyway, so what? Uh, well, yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we're doing that right now. We're live, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. We are live. We're live. It is another damn night on book club it's a book club night that's not justin that's my buddy tim i gotta change the names out it was a you know tim welcome to the show again it's just been uh i i just wrapped up quite frankly four and a half minutes ago so i had a little bit less time to breathe than usual but how are you feeling my friend oh so good so good and so uh wrapped up as by tentacles by the plot of this week's reading as current as they seem i mean it just it's like uh that that thing you sent me a video earlier in the week i've sent to about 20 people maybe two dozen and i just feel like wow that that brought me in a little further and the reading from this week yeah. along with some current events just makes you feel really happy that that we're reading this now oh yeah you know what before we go into anything let's talk about current events just real quick yeah. As you just mentioned, is it not just incredible that as we're reading this book, we're hearing talk again about the idea of papal resignation and uh, all around uh, around a, a pope whose who's, uh, health is starting to get worse. He just canceled a trip to Africa, I saw. It, it, and just to know the roots of this kind of a mechanism, how it was introduced and, and for what purpose, um, just incredible. Unbelievable. And again, I know I've said it, like a broken record three or four times probably once per per book club week but it's incredible that this went slightly askew for the plotters against the slavic pope and i don't know why i don't know what malachi martin would say to us i'm going to have our our guest who, who who might have a better guess than me uh in a week or two but i don't know what he'd say as to why this never forced resignation of of the slavic pope never came to pass but it came to pass with reinverumpt yep um, you know, the CDF, who's a really minor character in this. And now it's like it's becoming a is it going to be every pope? Will there be popes after 266? What the what the hell, man? I know. I know. It Will it be every pope? It's just like the, the, the moment that they look like they're slowing down a resignation. Why? And that's the other thing. Why? It's like wouldn't Francis being uh, be if, if we're talking about the idea of the process being served? to bring the entire world under the yoke of one uh, unified spiritual slash governmental existence, why would someone like Francis be of no use to them after he gets sick? I mean, you would think somebody like that would further the process to their dying breath. I don't even understand the me why, maybe to normalize the mechanism so that it's, if anybody else ever slipped through, it would be a safeguard. I just don't know. Yes, but first answer, to transform, Frank, remember, to transform the vicar of Christ, the bishop of Rome, the Holy See, into the vicar of Peter. That's the whole, that's the whole process on the Catholic side, mm. is, is to transform the vicar of Christ, the true seal of the see, to the vicar of Peter, and to make him just one among, one among many bishops. Uh, that's the project, and that's the project of the Luciferians as it concerns the Catholic Church. And there's other geopolitical goals, which we've read some about here, but that's it from the Catholic side. Yes. That's what they need. And, and to have retiring popes, it sounds more like a secular 
office, a uh, a sinecure, some some you know State Department position, uh, which is a sinecure, a, a sweet cushy job that you can basically retire from when you're seventy. Right, years old. it's a, it's be, it's becoming a civil service job, yep. and um, and for them to, um, I mean, it's just incredible. Anyway, this is all we're covering everything that happened between pages four seventy nine and five twenty three. This this uh this past week and let's just uh we have the, the the thread is open there's a few in there that we'll get around to in a second but let's just do what we've been doing i'll go to my notes and we'll stop along the way we'll we'll trade we'll trade um passages but it starts off christian um christian slattery monsignor daniel uh they're having their first meeting with the pope since his latest health scare and he upsets christian by saying that they need to prepare for the emergence of a new Europe, a new USA, a new world, a world that is different from the one that is redeemed by Christ. He says that on page four, uh, 480 to 481. And that really, that really sends him into like, you know, w- what are we doing this all for? At the same time, slattery, and I guess that right there is just a little bit more of a nod to how underwater was all of this how savable salvageable was all of this from the from the moment that uh that the slavic pope came into uh came into power or came into the into the, the that uh his pontificate um so is it at this point it's just we need to just prepare for the titanic to finally go underneath and we have to deal with what's left don't know but he is still putting things in play to to maybe build on a new future in a little way. Slattery is charged with supervising the new order of protected priests that was established by Sessi. And uh, this is where we get that, like you said, very, very seldom mentioned Cardinal Reinvernumft, who is Benedict, who approves the rule for the order to exist, which I guess is uh is a is a great thing but tim do you, what is this order in real life do you know what this could be uh or i mean you could say look it's not sspx this is like one of the uh what we we call the ecclesia day uh orders which look so i i should have talked about this a little earlier cardinal they, they talk about him some throughout the early parts of the book you know sessi's a big fan um archbishop lefevre uh, who ended up starting the SSPX in 1988. Well, he starts, SSPX, by the way, is the Society of St. Pius X, which is a traditionalist group in the church, you know, that stands for basically everything you could ever want as a good guy, a far right-wing Catholic. Um, arguably, not obedience, right? That's that's the big question within the Catholic church is like, let, if you're a renegade, a retrograde, as I call them, you know how far right can you be because the muscle in the church now has been taken over by by modernists and and what we what we call modernists luciferians in the church so the pro there's no problem with the canonical status of sspx started by this to many a hero archbishop lefevre between 1970 and 1988 he's just a champion of traditionalism he was at the council uh he signed all of the documents you know, at the council, including um, Sacrosanctum Concilium, the one that gave us the the shitty new instantiation of of the new missile of 1970. But 
they, they tweaked it in ways that, that Slattery describes really aptly at some times throughout this book, such that it's not there's not full accountability for all those who signed it. So um, Sessie talks about SSPX like it's a thing. Um, between 1970 and 1988, SSPX, the Society of St. Pius X, was in full normal canonical status in the church. They're just known as the, the angry retrogrades. In 1988, however, Archbishop Lefebvre uh, consecrated four bishops unilaterally, for which he was excommunicated, and to attend SSPX then was thrown into question to go to their chapels. Mm. Um, they're, they're good guys, but, you know, are they obedient good guys or disobedient good guys and can't, you know, is it licit to attend their masses? Still, still kind of a question mark. It's been a question mark for 30 years now, 35 years now. Well... I'm, the, I'm, go ahead, sorry. The, so the, the, all I was going to say real fast is, in 1988, reinvermed Pope Benedict XVI under JP2 uh, added basically two Ecclesia Dei commissions, FSSP, who is who I think this group might be, basically SSPX, but you're allowed fully clearly to go to the Masses, or uh, uh, CKSP, Christ, ICKSP, Christ mm. the King. Both of whom exclusively do the Latin Mass. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Apologize. I thought you were. I was. I. I was just. Uh, I mistimed that because I was going to say. I guess what. There's another part of the reading that may lend a little bit of. Um, hey, I, I'm no. Uh, I, I. I would not be able to get into, into any any you know, anything that's canonical or, I can't cite verse and paragraph of anything that is supposed to be what the church traditionally is going to uh, operate on. But if we're going to go from just a principled stance on something, if the top, if the hierarchy has been completely derailed, and if there are faithful average people around the world who are faithful and understand what the truth of the matter is and how it should work if they understand that and they know how it should be and they hold they stay faithful to that original that original um intent then i mean i i would have to imagine that's the best thing they can do for their personal salvation uh as opposed to i think it was it was um cardinal St san stefano who was in the later readings that we're going to get to, he is actually uh, performing uh, confession for for the Pope. And the Slavic Pope is asking him advice about how he thinks uh, he should proceed and, and what how the overall feeling about how he's been doing is. And I think he says something along the lines of that uh, for, for we mortals... The sin is not only just in the commission, but in the omission. And what you're causing a lot of distress for the faithful in is what you are not doing. And uh, how you have allowed so many things to go on that should have been stopped and nipped in the bud. So if that is, the, uh, if that is where the top of the pecking order is being derailed, then I think if anybody lower on down that knows the truth is just sticks to what they know to be true, then I think from a principled stance from uh, that th this is completely aside from what is legal what can get you excommunicated what could get you labeled an apostate to hell with all that stuff because then you have an illegitimate uh you have an illegitimate body calling you an apostate to what 
to, to, to what the new iteration of whatever it is. It's, it's almost like when a Democrat calls you a traitor. You're like a traitor to what? <laughs> to, to, to your version of America? What the hell is that? That's not the United States of America. That's not the Union, the Republic. I love when a uh, traitor... Uh, trends on on Twitter. It's just like, oh my God, who's got it wrong now? Yeah, welcome, by the way, to the internecine, uh, you know, mutual finger pointings in all directions when you get into trad versus trad, uh, uh, far-right Catholic, you know, labyrinthine reasoning. This is where you, you, it gets really ugly because all these are basically good guys, but they're like, okay, what is left? And this is the real point. It, it doesn't require much depth it's a it's a breadth kind of analysis frank it's like when the the church which is uh, both a divine and a human institution gets this thoroughly infiltrated i have an answer for this but i won't go into it when it gets this thoroughly infiltrated like vegano is always talking about it okay where do your loyalties lie as a faithful son of the church it's that's that's when you can go depth it can be a rabbit hole and we, we don't have time for that tonight but that's Anyway, the Ecclesia Day is the easy solutions for, like, I don't want to be disobedient. I go to Latin Mass, so I either go to, I travel an hour and a half to New Orleans. I ain't that far from New Orleans, so I go to St. Pat's 300-year-old church and go to the TLM there. My, my kids are about to receive First Communion there, my twins. Um, or I go to an FSSP or an ICKSP. I, I don't attend SSPX, but, but that's who I think is, is being sort of shadowed okay. there. I, I I knew if anybody if I knew this would be a perfect thing to ask you and um, and as far as infiltration goes and how whipped um, they you can see in this book they're trying to make the church and how destructive the path that they wanted to set it on in 483 we have the the Slavic Pope begrudgingly making overtures to this Jewish ecumenical group who wanted to be they wanted to have an ecumenical service at St Peter's Basilica itself as a show of reparations for the Holocaust, wherein every cross, every crucifix would needed to be removed from St. Peter's because it evoked painful memories for the Jews. Now, we could talk about that. Uh, that's another thing that we would need all, all show to talk about. Um, because as far as what the, the, the trappings of Christianity that Adolf Hitler wrapped around his cause, I, I've actually gone into that. Uh, in, in it's the trappings of Christianity. It's it was actually it put the state in the center of of salvation. It it actually cut Jesus out altogether. So, but anyhow, this was of course another way to get the the church to bend the knee and and kiss another ring altogether. Um, and thankfully, we have the. Um, we have the Slavic Pope says to, to do such a thing as St. Peter's would be both impractical because there's crosses everywhere and impermissible. But there was a new concert hall, a new concert hall that could be held, uh, that could be held, you know, this, this kind of a, an event. And the Slavic Pope put Cardinal Palumbo in charge of the whole event. And, and Tim, this is some really crazy thing here because once he puts him in charge, this is where we get the first glimpse of a demonically possessed cardinal in 483 and it goes right to the top of 484 here it go it says um 
His Holiness rose and shook hands with each smiling member of the Dijon delegate. Uh, my personal secretary, Monsignor Sadowski, will be at your disposal, but His Eminence will be in charge of the event. He will be working with the governor of Vatican City and the Cardinal Vicar of Rome, of course. And it says, that was the only time, a fleeting second, when Palumbo lifted his head and gave one steady look into the pontiff's eyes. What the look meant to convey was anyone's guess, but what the pontiff saw left him with a sense of shock greater than the cardinal's malign contempt had ever sparked in him. Had he been a man disposed to fear, had he been a man disposed to fear, it would have been baleful. As it was, it were uh, it were brought to uh, as it was, it brought to mind how Damien Slattery had described the look in the eyes of those completely possessed by the demon. Quote, that was what I saw in his eminence's eyes, Monsignor, the Pope confided to Sadowski when the visiting party had left. A completely alien look. It was as though I was facing a hollow man, a total stranger, with whom I had never exchanged a single word. I said, whoa. I said, well, we, we knew that this was obviously what was surrounding the Slavic Pope in this book. But to finally catch a glimpse of a demonically possessed cardinal... That was just, I, you know, I just had the, the hair stand up on my arms again. I was like, damn, whoa, yeah. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Where, what's your opinion on, I, I know I keep asking this, but I, I, I'm sincerely curious. What's your opinion on Maestroani? I mean, it, he's not possessed, but is he what we call obsessed, the early levels of Luciferianism? Lucifer, I mean, how far is he dabbling in this? He's best friends, like we said last time. I'm glad you asked that again, because every time we do this every week and we ask that question, where are we with Mestriani? I, I just get more and more into absolute. We haven't seen anything blatant like yeah. that little flash in the eyes with Cardinal Palumbo. But yeah. on the same page, Tim, at the, at the bottom, at 484, we have Mestriani, who is actually trying it seems like a mirrored image grooming of christian gladstone like they were grooming paul right before it the only thing it did was it stopped short of him actually going and saying i want you you should you should join the masons or something like that um he's getting groomed it doesn't go as far far as that but um listen to this it goes uh let's see here uh, okay, so so Masriani asks, he says, It's about time, my dear father, um, that I tell you what we have launched. First, let me ask you directly, if you've seen the Holy Father since your return. Yes, Eminence, briefly. Well, your impression? It's hard to say, your Eminence. Yes, it's always hard to tell about him. The Cardinal, and again, Tim, this is Doth, uh, Doth have you heard the tragedy of Doth Plagueis the Wise? It's a, it's a, it is Palpatine and Anakin again. Um, yes, it's always hard to tell with him, isn't it? He's a very confounding man, isn't he, Tim? Uh, the Cardinal seemed satisfied but pensive as he cocked his head sideways at Gladstone like a wise old owl about to hatch an egg. That impression, it turned out, wasn't far wrong. For the better part of 30 minutes, Christian was treated to a stunning revelation of Mastroianni's soul. With absolute candor, his eminence laid out the extravagant conceptions that had animated his mind for so many years and that had exacted exacted, uh, from him the pitifully heavy price of his faith. So he's he's lost his faith. He knows that at least. So if there isn't a, if it's obsession, 
that is the bare minimum. Um, pro, the, as uh, let's see, it, uh, the little cardinal's eyes shone as he shared the dream of his belief in the process as the true force behind the forces of history. He seemed electrified with energy as he spoke of the need to suppress divisiveness and to develop the machinery for a cooperative spirit of the world. Tell me, Father Gladstone, in your academic career, have you uh, much read about the great French statement Robert Schumann from the, you know, so the guy that they're having all these summits about, Robert Schumann, which is pretty much like any of the old old school EU's um, collaborators, whether it be Kalergi or whoever the hell else. But when he said, have you ever heard of, of, of Robert Schumann? I said to myself, oh, my God, all you have to just say is Darth Plagueis the Wise. And it's, it's the same 90% revelation as the Darth Plagueis the Wise story. It's like absolutely. 90% out of the bag. And, and right there at the, after that, he says, Christian was still reeling inward at how completely Cardinal, how, how completely Cardinal Mastroianni had been stripped, not only of his Romanism, but of any trace of Catholicism. And he keeps thinking about this because it's on page 487 after he leaves Mastroianni's place. It says uh, right after the, the segment breaks, there's the second paragraph down. He says this, Christian, as he's thinking to himself. Until today, it had been very easy to dislike his eminence and let it go at that. But it wasn't so simple now. The Cardinal's sermon on the bleak, inhuman, faceless thing called the process forced him to wonder. It was, it was disheartening to see a man so capable, so high up, and so far gone. But when he began to ask himself what happened to Mastroianni's faith, Chris wondered if the same might not happen to him. How could anyone working in present-day Rome manage to stay in God's grace? So I don't know, we have not been shown or seen anything definitive as to how much Mastroianni has pledged himself to what the process is all about. It's about using the availing time to bring about a, a, a Luciferian world order. So if he knows and is so enthusiastic about the process and he's still uh, I ignorant to how the, the, the enthronement and uh, the worship of Satan is at the end of it, I, I mean, he's not that stupid. It can't be. He has to be completely in on it. So does he? See, he does know about such a term like the availing time. He's yeah. never used the the term the way Channing uses it. But do you think he knows what? Is there a direct correlation between the process and the availing time, which ends around the millennium? It, it could be. It could be that what we're just trying to figure out here is how compartmentalized everybody is, because right. when we get to that Council of Thirteen, that Concilium of Thirteen, whatever they call it, the, the, they know that the, what the availing time means and what is at the end of that that dark rainbow there. That uh, that this is about being able to bring in a a satanic world order. Um, as far as how compartmentalized they keep some of their assets inside the Vatican, that maybe they are, as we've seen in, in other chapters, they draw the line between uh, Luciferian thinking and actually those who have committed themselves to worshiping the demon, that maybe maybe that's just really it. He, he could just be a stooge that, that likes the, the high-class living of international life. Don't know, but but there's nothing Christian about his his stance, so he has to know that he is an apostate, 
and a, uh, a heretic and an infiltrator and a, a, a demolitionist. He has to know he's a demolitionist. But, but perhaps, like so many people who have committed themselves to foolhardy pursuits, they have just convinced, they've convinced themselves of the nobility of it all, uh, even if there doesn't seem to be any nobility apparent. Amen. Can I make a couple quick comments? Please, on, uh, please. Back on 482. You always pick the same spots as me. That's um, that's cool. It's funny. Uh, so, one, sorry to keep inundating people with references to a book they haven't necessarily read, but the look that he gives there, the single time he raises his head, poor demon-possessed uh, uh, prelate, what, what's his name that you were just talking about? Palumbo. Columbo, yeah. This is in real life Cardinal Noe, Noe, and his name is Noah Palumbo. So, so uh, uh, if you check my character key, there's always a first name, last name switch or onomatopoeia. He, he's not trying to hide very deeply who this is. Cardinal Noe is Noah Palumbo. So the look, Frank, that he gives without a ton of detail is not unlike the look in the eye. We get more detail that you get a flash of hatred in uh, Father Elijah, right, that he gets from the president. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. Very, very spooky. Yes. I, there's, I have a, a close friend with whom I work, uh, you know, on lots, lots of my projects. I won't say who it is, but he, uh, at Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say too much, but so he worked with Buttigieg uh, just a little bit. And he said one time, it was actually when they're first introduced, he got a single look and he is like, it was exactly like that scene in Father Elijah. He's like, it was like black eyes. And he's like, no one had ever looked at me like that before. Like he wanted to eat me. And it was right when we were shaking hands. It was the weirdest thing ever. So uh, there's no handshake to go with it. But but the single look is big with the demonically possessed. Yes. And, um, Especially since right up until that point, Palumba, because if you read the, the scene that leads up to that point where he's talking with these representatives from the, like the Shoah Foundation or whatever, they're talking about how they want reparations for the Holocaust and get rid of all the crucifixes. Um, the Pope, um, he he is completely put off by every request that they're making, and every time that they ask for something more outlandish, um, he 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 flashes looks over at Palumba like, "Are you serious, bringing me this this shit?" And and he says that the the entire time Palumbo kind of just like stood, uh, you know, not making eye contact, either either looking down or looking forward, because he knew that the Pope was looking at him and and whatever. So the only time they make they make eye contact was when he said everything. Uh, this this cardinal is going to be in charge of the entire event, and then he he could not hold back an opportunity to just flash absolute disdain and hatred for him. Yeah, exactly. I, on that note, the Pope is playing Rom, Rom, Romanita, which is everyone talks about it when you're in Rome. Oh, Romanita, Romanita. It means, they keep referring to it in the book, it means everyone playing these Roman-style politics, particularly within the Vatican. Um, so it's a well-known thing. They talk about it when you're over there. So the, the Pope, JP2, plays it back, right? He's not denying the requests of Cardinal Palumbo. He's busy. He's, he's like, well, okay, so use this concert hall or whatever. You should just tell him to pound sand. Look, we're different religions, right? Yeah. This isn't different sects. You guys ain't the Protestants or the Orthodox. We're the same religion, just different sects, and we're trying to, uh, I don't know, trying to reconcile someday. 
this is this is you guys are Jews, we're Christians. There is no real ecumenical call here. Anyway, so the Pope is playing Romanita too, but he grants, 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 and then puts his foot down. I want to just go back to the the uh, 483 that you were reading from. Uh, Finally, His Holiness turned from the Cardinal and began to address Brother Jeremiah's specific proposals one by one. Dot, dot, dot. Pontiff said he did not think such an ecumenical service should be held in St. Peter's for all logistical reasons, which is not the, the, the lead-in rationale. Your lead-in rationale should always be the principled reason. Right. He sticks it at the end. He goes, and His Holiness added with another unreturned look at Cardinal Palumbo, it is also impermissible. Boom. That, you know doctrinally yes. it's impermissible I, I love that yes. you know I, I really I really like that a lot so this is JP2 they, they've really he's really been captured by Malachi Martin uh, really really well he's he does have the principle there he does love Jesus but man he makes too many compromises well, way too many but it's it's leading to such um, to such uh, conflicted a conflicting reader experience and, and we'll get to that in a little bit because I know that there's even more of that kind of stuff coming up. Um, the next I had was 492 to 493. Coming to grips now with the situation and just uh, they all just, just plainly stating facts. Here we have it, 492. Um, let's see here. Suddenly it became unarguable now during his papacy. This is Gladstone, Slattery, the, the Pope. They're all together. Uh, suddenly became argu- unarguable now during his papacy, the Roman Catholic organization carried a permanent presence of clerics who worshipped Satan and liked it, of bishops and priests who sodomized boys and each other, of nuns who performed the black rites of Wicca and who lived in lesbian relationships within, uh, within as well as outside, uh, within in as well as outside of convent life. Suddenly it became clear during this papacy the Roman Catholic Church organization had become a place where every day, uh, every day, including Sundays and Holy Days, acts of heresy and blasphemy and outrage and indifference were committed and permitted at holy altars by men who had been called to be priests. Sacrilegious actions, rites were not only performed at Christ's altars, but had, uh, but had the connivance the connivance or at least the tacit permission of certain cardinals, archbishops, and bishops. Suddenly, shock set in the actual lists of prelates and priests who were involved. In total number, they were a minority. Anything from 1 to 10% of church personnel, but of that minority, many occupied astoundingly high positions of rank and authority in chanceries, seminaries, and universities. Appalling though it was, However, even this picture wasn't the whole cause of the holy of His Holiness's crisis. The fact that the Pope, uh, the, the facts that brought the Pope to a new condition of suffering were mainly two: the systematic organizational links, the network, okay, the satanic groups, and all that. And then the second one was the inordinate power and influence of that network. But the third, the third fact. This this pontiff, who had been called upon by Christ to be most directly responsible for his church, had made that influence possible. But his decision had not been to excommunicate heretics, not to defrocked errant priests, on and on and on. So this is where we get into this uh, this incredible struggle in 493 to 490, the top of 490, page 494, where you see... The struggle um, to saddle the Slavic Pope with appropriate blame continues in the book. 
you, he needs to be he needs to own what what bad he has done but there's so much turmoil for me as a reader that I felt the struggle too in this when I tried to empathize with his position but I and I uh, I do love that I do love that he's uh, surrounded by people who um, are not afraid to give it to him straight but at the end this is a really cr- crazy thing here three time when he talks about the betrayal of Peter how many times have I has he betrayed the pl- the place then at the end it seems like the the pope is actually talking directly to the lord um, yes, Lord, I saw the corruption that had set in the church organization during those two previous pontificates, and I decided that the traditional church organization had been thoroughly dismantled, would never be restored, would never again be as it was. Yes, Lord, I saw the corruption, but I presumed the spirit of Vatican II was creating a new community of Christians, the new Jerusalem. As Pope for all peoples, I presumed that it was my duty to give wi- uh, witness to that spirit among nations of earth, to assemble all people of God in readiness for the appearance of the queen of heaven in human skies announcing a new era of peace and religion a religious revival among the nations yes lord i saw the corruption so you know he he never the right uh, the uh, malachi martin never never shies away from saddling him with everything that he's responsible for but at the same time it's just it you always keep get getting it put into frame that this is one man standing on the beachfront trying to fight the tide himself. It's like no decision, no decision. Um, I don't know. If you, if, it's very the, fair. Yeah. It's very fair. I mean, this is uh, this ambivalence is, I think, the only fair way you could treat JP two when you look at some of his Episcopal appointments and his appointments to the cardinalate. Uh, and, and some of his decisions, even some of his kind of stances against the traditionalists. But everyone says the same thing. He really did love Jesus. He just thought the spirit of Vatican II was a good was a good thing. I am curious, Frank, when uh, in that quote you read, and I thought about it, you know, as we read, the, the two previous pontificates, I saw the corruption. Is he referring to... Is he counting John Paul I as a real pontificate? It was a 33-day pontificate. Or is he talking about the two pontificates prior to JP1 who, who, who you know, form his name, right? JP1 and JP2 are both named for the previous two popes. Did you know that? John no. the 23rd and then Paul the 6th. I did John not know Paul. that. Yeah, John, John Paul I picked that name for those two previous pontificates. One good bit of evidence that John Paul I isn't some conservative uh, who some conservative, some some traditionalists lean toward that interpretation of JP one. He was a conservative, a reactionary, who was killed because he was a re- reactionary. You say no, he liked John the twenty third and Paul the sixth. He named himself after them. I so I'm just curious whether or not uh, it's not terrifically important to the plot. But, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, when you when you think about it, I mean, how how could you how can you even consider 33 days a pontificate what what what, what can you do you're, you're just you're just you're just picking out the bed sheets still at yeah. 30, 33 days like what is that so maybe yeah. maybe you're right maybe it is um maybe it is the 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 previous two before jp1 that's how i that's how i read it but right it, it no, doesn't matter I, I would see that absolutely but but then again you know this brings me back to that point that i made before with you that you have um well, I mean, this this he gets into the IRA. He wants the the he wants the bank to be autonomous. He believes that if they uh, if they're able to clean up their act, they can be really um, separated from what the world was 
was was coming under the control of these central banks, these internationalists. I don't know where that all goes for sure, but it gets back around to him saying confession. And I do love that he surrounds himself with people who are not afraid to be stern with him. And like I said before, he seeks the advice from the Cardinal San Stefano at confession and how he should proceed. And that's what he talks about, how mortal sin, uh, how we mortals sin by commission or by omission. And it was after this that the Pope, that the Slavic Pope starts making some real big, real big uh, moves or moves that are starting to get a lot of people uh, concerned. He makes Father Christian a Monsignor. He gives him that title Monsignor. Then he decides 100% he's making this pilgrimage to Russia and Ukraine. And uh, he's not going to consecrate Russia or Ukraine because that was the job of the Pope of 1960 and it did not happen. But he is making a religious pilgrimage on behalf of the Blessed Mother. He says there is no, there's no separating that intention from his trip 100%, but the consecration was, was, up to the, was up to the Pope of 1960. So that's how he said no to that. Um, but then there's this other aspect is the ecumenical letter. He's, he's writing this ecumenical letter denouncing abortion, population control, and um, the other cardinals don't know why he's going to Russia and doing all this, but the, the New World Order crew, like Dr. Channing, think this is all very useful. So uh, th- that's this next segment that we get to here. Anything from this you have? Just as weird, in reality, JP2 would halfway consecrate Russia four years after this book was written, you know, it was in, in 2000 that it was... Well, wait a minute. No, sorry. No, 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 sorry. It was 14 years before he'd half-assed consecrated it, but he consecrated the world to Russia because of Ostpolitik. So I guess we're getting Malachi Martin's view that we already knew it if you listen to the Art Bell interviews, but he doesn't consider those valid from 17 years out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it says it says it right. It's on page 502. When they're asking him, he says, will, will your holiness, uh, Damien Slattery asks, will your holiness consecrate Russia to the Blessed Virgin during your time in Moscow? He says, no, the pontiff was blunt. I'm not the Pope of 1960. She did not tell me to do it. I have no mandate in that regard. What I want to uh, what I want is to restore the Russian people to their beloved icon of Our Lady of Kazan, which is uh, presently in the possession of the Holy See. So, uh, just was putting it out there real quick and then of course a page later Christian who's in this meeting is really upset that all of the data that they collected on the Satanism and the homosexuality is not going to be put to use um, he's afraid that it's all going to collect dust and, and, and all that stuff but it's uh, it was pre- as it was presented by other people in the room what, what do we do with this without having our heads cut off and having it all go to, to no good. I mean, we, we've established a couple of good things. They need to find out where the, the mother chapel was. They found that. But um, there's still a lot of frustration. You, you can tell Christian is just very impulsive. He's not seasoned like the rest of them are yet. And and that's where we are in, in this this sense of everything. I don't, uh, I don't know where it all goes as far as Russia and, and everything else. Well, Russia's supposed to be part of the solution. So uh, in the book and in reality, according to Fatima, according to our press, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to interpret Russia and Ukraine from our day, though I, I mostly agree with your interpretation of things this worldly. 
otherworldly post post soviet russia is supposed to be in some way it might be more labyrinthine it might be less direct but in some way it's supposed to be part of the solution and jp2 seems mindful of that and martin as he pens jp2 seems really mindful of that hmm. well whatever it is it's causing a lot of dismay in fact but the other thing here too is even though he is going out there it seems like auto secular it seems like he was the one, somebody from the New World Order side of things actually got Ukraine and Russia to have in, uh, have deliver um, invitations, official invitations to have him over there. They seem that this is actually strategic for their ends, at the New World Order end side of things, to have him out there in Russia. Because I believe that they were, they, um, it was Masteriani that said, he's going to Russia and all of the cardinals are going to be meeting in Rome without him. So he thinks that the, they believe that the, the Pope has kind of flubbed and, uh, and, and done himself in. But obviously he's doing this all very deliberately. So this can't be all that there is to this. Right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, one thing you think from the very beginning in terms of whether or not the Pope is flubbed at what point, do you, whether it's an email or a postal mail, you know, Maestro Annie at the very first scene we meet him in is sending out the CMV, and you're like, is this, is he really hoping the Pope doesn't get wind of it? I, I mean, how realistic is that? 4,000 bishops in the world, and you're sending this pretty see-through uh, uh, reinvention of a no-confidence vote. And you don't think any of the bishops are going to be loyal to him and, and let him know? It's the same thing. You know, you're a plane flight away in Russia. I, I'm not so sure that's that's a huge goof. I, I don't know. I know. I, I there, there has to be something there. And this ecumenical letter, uh, this, has, this has caused so much other problems. For example, okay, there's a little bit more here. We, we get reintroduced to Gib Appleyard. And Gibb is talking with his, um, his, his boss, Admiral Vance, Bud Vance, and he's saying, what the hell is your bloody pope up to now? He says, he's not my pope, Bud. Yeah, I know, he's the pope of all Catholics, but thanks to him, I've got to face the Committee of Ten in a couple of minutes, and then i got to face the NSC. And they are, uh, they're causing a lot, what's caused a lot of problems for them is that he is going to come out against birth control in this ecumenical letter. But it's so much of a problem, Tim, that, that he even says there is no option left off the table like the American government would be willing to assassinate the Pope if he were to get in the way of the population control thing. Uh, and, and along the way, we have still Appleyard is clueless as to, to what everybody is up to. There is not um, uh, uniformity among all of these governments and all of these inner circle types. Uh, and, and, it, and, and really, it's not even, even about compartmentalization. Like, what is, what's the relationship? How much does Masteriani know about the devil worshiping that's going on with the Council of Thirteen? There's compartmentalization there because they are obviously working in tandem with each other told toward a communal goal. As far as Appleyard and the American side of things, they are really in the dark. They don't understand really what's going on here, though they all have pretty globalist views. They are, in fact, Masons. But even here, on page 511, you have this 
this struggle for Masonic um, universality too. Here's the, the last the last two paragraphs. The United Lodge of England had convened the World Conference of Grand Masters from 67 Grand Lodges. They had met in Crystal City near Washington, D.C. They handed a defeat to the ULE. In reality, it was a defeat for spiritualist and theist masonry as opposed to the relativist and atheist version. For Appleyard and Vance and for those... Um, for those uh, frauders of, uh, is that how you say frauders? What is that? Yeah, frauders just means frauders. Oh, for those, okay, for those frauders of a uh, like mind, it was a defeat, especially for, so I guess they're a little bit more, um, you know, theist and spiritualist, um, especially for the ecumenical attitude toward corporate religious bodies such as the Roman Catholic Church. They had always regarded such bodies as potential allies. When the Masonic Temple shall shine over the whole universe, Frater Blumenhagen had written, When its roof shall be the blue heavens, the two poles, its walls, the throne of Peter and the church of Rome and its, uh, its pillars, then will the powers of earth bequeath that freedom to the people which we have laid, upon, uh, laid up in store for them. The new attitude, however, was to regard all such bodies not only as expendable, but as targets for elimination. You see, uh, so now you see that it's not just about compartmentalization but infighting between sects of masons who who um you know had had originally seen the the vatican and other institutions around the world as really valuable centers that could be captured influenced and made to enhance what they believe is a true spiritualist you know coming of a new age and now you have they're up against a very destructive atheistic uh, version of, I mean, I guess of their own kind that want to see these institutions destroyed, which obviously is going to lead to a lot more problems uh, in the future because these are, if you know humankind, if you know mankind, you know that these types of cultural institutions are very important. If they weren't so large, they would be established on local levels too. It is how we keep ourselves tethered to reality and give us purpose in life. It's just the it's just what we always do. You can erase everything today, and from whatever's left over of the of the world, the survivors will find each other eventually, and they will form some kind of community. And from there, they'll start all over again. So the atheistic, burn it all down nihilist types, uh, they they pose a really big threat for people like Appleyard who actually want to keep the world together, though they want to change the world slowly. Um, it's it's a very interesting thing here, and um, and Appleyard, when he realizes that they're willing to get rid of the Pope to kill him, if he does if he does not back off of the birth control thing, that's when he goes out there and he um, and he has a little bit of a frank, pretty based conversation with the Slavic Pope. That's toward the end of our reading. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, this is the Pope of. Um, this is one thing he was always solid on throughout his entire pontificate. Uh, and uh, was known for it. So I, I found this part surprising that the uh, the more Americanist Masonic type would expect him to stand down on it. This is one area where JP2 was uncompromising, was on uh, Evangelium Vitae, uh, the Gospel of Life, as uh, one of his most uh, best-known writings had it. So he was he was uncompromising here. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then in... in uh... We can just skip forward to 519 when they're finally sitting down together. 
Apple Yard. I love this. Is another thing. I love when the Slattery and Christian uh, get together. I love when when they're all together talking and just you know um, exchanging words. But I also love when Apple Yard and the Pope speak, because yeah, they're coming from two different two different directions. But it's almost like in those old films where you have these two opposing armies, they're facing off with each other, and their leaders come to meet in the center of no man's land, and they have a very cordial, respectful conversation. They really, really do understand each other. They know that they're they're coming from different places, but this is something that really moved me here. Um, 519. They're sitting down. He says, let me be frank with you, Father. Appleyard hoped Gladstone would see that he meant... Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Oh, yeah, no, he's not talking to the Pope here. The Pope is, is after. This is with him and Gladstone. Let me be frank with you, Father. Appleyard hoped Gladstone would see that he meant those words sincerely. I, for one, do not share the demographic fears of our contemporaries. That means that there's going to be overpopulation, which we know there's not. It's We're, we're looking at civilization collapse. Right. <laughs> um... Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, demographic fears from our contemporaries. For one thing, human fecklessness always seems to come to the aid of nature to redress any excessive population imbalance. But I also believe that evidence concerning overpopulation has been inflated, that the claims of imminent danger to the planet are fueled more by ideology than by the scientific knowledge. On that score, I consider such organizations as Planned Parenthood International about on par with the already discredited Club of Rome, whose professional reputation was ruined by all their scientifically false pother about global winter in the 80s. Because as we all know, the Club of Rome, it's based as fuck. I, it, it's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, he understands that this is power. It's not about striking balance. The Club of Rome, they invented the the climate change cause, and it's gone from global freezing to warming to nonsense. So He's putting it all in the same, the, all the same respect. But what he's trying to do is save, save uh, the Holy Father here because he doesn't want to see him assassinated. And um, yeah, well, you have anything on that before I go to my last piece here? No, I, 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 lo- I picked out that line. I love that line there about the uh, scientifically false father about global winter in the 80s, late seventies, early eighties. It's wonderful. That. It really is. And then, um, you know, I, I, I just, it's just. It's just incredible. I mean, it's just the Apple Yard, Mason or no, he likes the Pope and doesn't believe in the birth control narrative. And then we leave off with an exchange between Gabe Apple Yard and the Slavic Pope that once again leaves me in a situation where for all of his faults, I cannot help but love the man. because I, I'm talking about the Slavic Pope because to be honest... Let's think about all the faults and then what, 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 the, what the real burning inner core of the person is. John Paul II did a lot to damage the church. As we're reading through this book, okay, I didn't know too much about any of this stuff prior to the book, so we're, just, we're going on this and just kind of comparing notes to what is actually verifiable. Um, he did a lot to damage the church. Francis does a lot to damage the church. But I have never seen... Never seen John Paul II slap and reprimand a woman in public for reaching out and trying to, you know, there's, there's just certain, there's certain demeanor. You, as far as what is inside of a person, that was, that's, that's the big difference here for me. It's not about absolving somebody of all of their, their failures to act properly in a position that they need to be, you know, staunch 
in which they need to be staunch. It's more so about it, it keeps bringing it back. And, and here's what I mean. Um, so Gib Appleyard was relieved and mystified. He's talking about, you know, please just back off on the, the birth control thing. Do not leave. Do not put out the, 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 the letter anytime uh, in the near future. And he says this, uh, the pontiff says, you are wondering, Mr. Appleyard, the pontiff guessed the meaning of the quizzical look on the envoy's face. What my trip to Moscow and Kiev has to do with the difficulty between the papacy and the presidency? The example, the explanation is simple, that I am allowed to undertake this pilgrimage is a direct favor from the, persons, from the, from the person we Catholics call the Queen of Heaven. Uh, she has been selected by God from all ages and in every age for a special role among us. She is in charge of all of this, all of us. She has willed this papal trip, this pilgrimage, I should say, to take place. Therefore, I have good reason to believe that in her own way, she will use the occasion of my so-called Russia trip to resolve the problem between my papacy and your so-called American presidency. Now, what happens next is why I had to read that piece because it's the it's the response that Appleyard feels that, that what he feels in response to what the Pope just told him about his mission. Appleyard nodded benignly, an apt disguise he hoped for his bewilderment at the ease with which the Pope moved from the practical plane of life and death decisions to a level that seemed abstract and alien to concrete reality. The Slavic Pope's face was wreathed in such an expression of joyous confidence and his eyes shone with such happiness that Gibson had to turn his own, go his own gaze elsewhere as if, um, uh, if I ever felt the way this man does now, Gib heard himself say in his mind, I would have had to fall on my knees, crave his blessing and his forgiveness for my sins and weep tears I've never wept. Now. When I read that, I, w I, got, I get, once again, chilled. My heart kind of swelled up a little bit there. It was, um, it was very emotional because, like I said before, um, uh, an imperfect man, of course, we're all imperfect, um, and even a pope can be imperfect, but what's inside of, of a man or a woman, that's what's really important at the end of the day because if you don't have that foundation, then there's no chance for redemption at all from your imperfections. And he had this effect on Appleyard, this anti-papal mason, just by shamelessly displaying his devotion to the Blessed Mother, asserting that he, that he is acting under mandate from heaven, just as a diplomat would, would assert that they are acting under mandate of the State Department. It was just very, as a matter of fact, this is the reality of it. And I think that that genuine assertion from the Pope left Appleyard hungry for that kind of faith. And I, um, yeah, that's just, uh, I, I, I just, I love, I love the playing off of each other that those two have. I'm glad you pointed out how much you like that. Because I, I always was like, oh, give Appleyards a different kind of cat. And, and that's been, um, he, he has a couple of foils among the other bad guys. And so I, I think you're, you're right in terms of reader response. You're right on the nose there. And I, I'd been slow to pick that up, but. That is a beautiful scene. I just want to say, JP2's personal holiness reflected several times in the authorial intrusions by uh, Malachi Martin himself was always beyond doubt. So he was a totally, totally different pontiff and man from Francis. Yeah, I mean, like you'd say, oh, they're both. Francis is just a, a catastrophe and, and I think wicked. 
by beyond any doubt. No one ever said that about JP two, and even even the bitterest trads don't say that about him. They say, oh, we, essentially they ask what Father Gladstone was asking Father Aldo at the beginning of the book. Why does he make so many concessions? But everyone knows his personal holiness. Um, of friends and, and mentors of mine that actually met him, personal holiness, his devotion to Jesus, Mary and Joseph, beyond any question. He was just a perhaps naive true believer in the spirit of Vatican II. He was there at the council, and he just couldn't second guess it. He thought mm -hmm. it was the church's second birthday, second Pentecost, and that's, that's fool. It's so obvious that it wasn't, but he was a big believer in Vatican II. That led to all of his naivete. Francis is a whole different thing. He's the Saint Gallen Pope. So um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. It even JP two, however naive he might have been, his personal strengths were such that yes, from all the stories I've heard firsthand, a Gib Appleyard, if he wasn't completely wicked, would have been touched by that in the way you you remarked. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I know that too because because I, I that's something there too is um I've I've felt that same feeling, um it, it it was a real it was very cozy and nostalgic thing I always reach back I I think for many years I lived vicariously through the faith that I knew my grandparents had where you know my my, my grandfather was the type that toward the end of his life and you know he would he had kidney failure and he was doing dialysis and things were just he was getting weaker and weaker and and there were there was at least one or two times that he went to his church when he thought he was dying that he just felt so so crappy he went to church he passed out they had to call the ambulance they took him to the hospital he turned out being all right he lived for another year or so but he just he just figured if I'm gonna die I want to die at church and 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 to have and, and little things like that to be they always had absolute confidence and in faith in in what came next and what their role here was and how important love was and love of Christ and 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 when I was just a lot younger especially throughout high school to think about the way that they conducted themselves in that respect was always something that I I lived vicariously through because I wanted to feel that 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 comfort you know I wanted to feel that confidence so when I when I saw I read this this part about Appleyard who is obviously coming from a um, a very contrarian side of the tracks here in comparison to the Pope and um, to say if, if there was just any other time if if he was, if there's any other circumstance, if he had felt that way that this man does right now, um, he would just throw himself down. And, and I understand exactly what he means. And thankfully, thankfully, I'm, 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 I've really been been able to start making that journey to the other side of the tracks. And I, I hope that everybody in this book that might have a chance at redemption, it might either be a combination of Paul and Appleyard. But we haven't heard from Paul in a while. What the hell's he up to? <laughs> I don't know, man. I could listen to you talk about that for a while, though. Your, your grandparents, you've mentioned them several times to me. It's beautiful. No homo, but I was, uh, it was very, very, very uh, touched by what you're saying. It's, yeah, Paul, Paul's yeah. not really in the book much, is he? No, he's not. And I, I thought that this was going to be a little bit more of how is Christian going to bring Paul back and 
I mean, we only, I mean, we have about 100 pages or so. Uh, we're at 523, and we're, we go to, I, the, the last page of the book is 646. So we're getting real close there. I mean, there's got to be some loose ends tied up there. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, he's been he's been he's been uh, speckled in there sparingly, and uh, and we will see. Now, uh, I'm going to go to the thread here. Obviously, Tim, if you have any other notes that you have, throw them at me. But I'll just go to the thread and see if anything else pops up. All right, real fast. I just want to point out to everyone: while many people are looking at world events and thinking, "Oh, Russia and Ukraine." Wow, I had to look up what the hell is a Ukraine. A, a lot of conservatives have been like that. Ukraine has been bound up in the Fatima Church second and third secrets for years. And uh, it just shows the veracity of all this stuff, okay? He wrote this in 96, and Ukraine is part of the Russian solution to the second secret of Fatima. So it is one of the things we call a mode of credibility in, in right-minded prophecy. Russia and Ukraine. You know what I mean? You, you get what I'm saying? It's it's a real deal. Martin talked about it no small amount. And by the way, Frank, just let me know uh, whether it's next Friday next or the Friday after that that you want me to get uh, Coolum for because he, he's going to tell us some of his uh, stories of Martin. Well, what we need to figure out is, so next Friday is the 17th and the 24th. Um, what we need to figure out is how do we do the actual review of the segment that we're reading that night and then also be able to entertain a guest and interview him because that could easily turn that. I mean, we, we would, we usually do it's nine forty seven right now. If we get through this thread and, and pick our, our chapter assignments for next, next week, this is going to be about an hour and 15 minute long stream. If we have to do this, and also talk to a guest. We're looking at at least two hours, two and a half hours. So we got to figure. I um, is there any way? I I don't know if it's, if it's just that his availability is limited. But I think that we can finish this book in about three weeks. Is there any way that we can finish the book and then we come back for a, an extra? Like let's say tonight we finish the book. Then what about next week we bring him on to talk about everything we gleaned from these chapters and just uh, formulate that into a nice conversation with this guy that knew Malachi Martin? Sure, sure, yeah. I think that might be a, might, might be a, a good way to, to just extend this one week beyond whatever we need to finish it. So, Sure. All right, we'll yeah. see, see, what he, see what he thinks about that because I think that um, let's just do the chapter assignments now, then I'll go into the thread. We are. We finished on 5:23. I flipped forward a little bit, and um, I think that the end of 5:62 would be good. 5:23, 5:62. It's it's a little bit under 50 pages, and it it brings us right to I think the last book, the last section. Big. What is that? Uh, Quo vadis. What does that mean? means where are you going there's a little church in rome where peter was leaving according to sacred tradition he was leaving rome again this is a peter once he was an apostle and jesus appeared to him on this road outside the appian way and said you know well he asked jesus where are you going and jesus returned where are you going like go back to rome to die a martyr's death peter was always faltering so that's that's what the meaning of that is wow okay well th then there you go then this is that's that's just a great chapter title, section title in itself. 
So five, 562. So 523 to 562. Uh, let's go to the thread real quick. Here we have it. Uh, Fishon13 says, The most striking part for me is on page 490, beginning with I Wonder. It describes the Pope as he matches up the names of the East Coast bishops that just visited him. Against Christians' reports, the Pope is obviously horrified to find they no longer think priests need to be celibate and homosexuality was acceptable among the clergy. They openly lied to the Pope's face about, quote, brimming with exhilarating examples of religious renewal, end quote. This passage struck me because it underlines how important Christian's work actually was for the Pope and not just Mastroianni. Christian's report gave the Pope a hard but necessary reality check on the state of the church in America. It was heartbreaking to see the Pope deal with this realization. Mm. Uh, page four, this is from Kenzil 12 from page 429. Sadowski expressing his helplessness, knowing the Pope had, had created the same bishops and cardinals who are plotting his demise. He's realizing that the stress and strain may, may be more taxing on the pontiff physically and spiritually than any condition that he may be suffering from, but not knowing where this will lead. Sadowski also recognizes if it costs the Pope his life, he is fully aware that the Pope understands that may be part of his duty. This made me emphatic, uh, emphatic for the Pope. Um, let me. Uh, oh, uh, this made me empathic for the Pope, as much as his character is hard to figure out through the course of the reading of the book. Even with the mistakes he has made, he's pulled in so many different directions. I don't envy the positions he was put in. At four four ninety eight, uh, San Stefano bluntly tells the Pope he's allowed. Uh, he's allowed. He allowed malfeasance. In Vatican II Council, I told you, San Stefano, I, I think he was very refreshingly stern. 519, the exchange between Appleyard and Gladstone on population control in which Appleyard admits he does not share the sentiments of U.S. policy on abortion, yet he is only acting as an envoy for the policy, mentioning Planned Parenthood and the Club of Rome by name and the false predictions of population control and climate hysteria. See, I, I'm, I'm so happy we're seeing all the same things. Um, one last entry here. It's from Summer 711. Gorbachev... Uh, confirms plans for the New World Order to the Pope. Quote, My recent correspondence with Mikhail Gorbachev has been enlightening. All has been readied. For what, Holiness? Christian made no bones today or any other day about his geopolitical ignorance. Readied for what? And Christian, uh, I mean, uh, Tim, this is what I had mentioned about what they told Christian in the opening. We have the actual passage here. The Pope guessed <clears throat> what was behind the question. Quote, For a different Europe. To be ready for a different Europe from the Europe your brother helps administer, Father Christian. For a different USA from the, count, from the country you were born into. For a different world from the world redeemed by Christ. The Pope cut his analysis short. In all likelihood, he realized Gladstone and Slattery would not be able to envisage the new landscape until they came back to face with it. So yeah, that's just like, uh, just like us. He nourished his, con his contacts, too, with a certain per uh, personages in the uh, Soviet Union. With the Russian churchmen, he formed an underground, uh, underground of priests. With the party members, he found a uh, commonality based on their mutual realization that the new order was dawning in the world. Very curious about this, says Summer 711. Does the underground of priests still exist? Did it grow? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, well, thankfully, me and Tim had a conversation about those types of 
orders and stuff in the beginning of this um obviously there are uh, uh, you know there are it's it's out there um but yeah and here's the last thing here the pope received the approval for his trip to russia fourth the invitation was backed by strong support from a very unusual source namely russian orthodox patriarch kirill of moscow as kirill was a well-known former kgb agent and an acknowledged enemy of the slavic pope and his church what was behind this sudden favor for the roman pope it would be interesting says um says uh, Summer 7-Eleven. It would be so interesting to know the answer to this. We see now that the patriarch Kilroll had good reason to be against the Catholic Church. He probably saw it as an, an instrument in the New World Order. Would like to know more about the Russian Orthodox Church. Kirill is getting a lot of bad Western press these days, uh, which indicates he may be a good guy. Do not know, did not know he was KGB agent, though. And that's all we have on our thread. Really great posts, as always. So, yeah, good, good, good stuff, man. I, one thing I want, I don't, I don't always want to be going back, but I had some notes um, from, from, or just some, some overarching thoughts from the beginning. Uh, sure. I think, I think a couple of them can wait, but I mean, what, what is your view, Frank, if we could just do an overarching kind of question? I, I, I literally want to, we don't, we don't text that much about the book during the week. Yeah, it's almost like um, we want to be surprised or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because I don't know when you do most of your reading. You don't know when I do most of mine. I'm wondering, um, Slattery hasn't turned out the way that I thought he would. His character. I'm not saying he's he's worse or anything like that. I just, less opening up of, of Slattery. Uh, what's what's your view of him now? I know you, you loved Slattery at the beginning. I, I always did too, the big seven. Foot. Now that you bring it up. Now that you bring it up, th- there's nothing about his character that has let me down. Um, yeah. He is—he's—he's he's solid. Um, he is a source of wisdom. He is a badass in his own right. I just thought—and who knows—we have another hundred pages or so to go. I just thought that there was going to be a little bit more him doing battle with demons. I wanted to see—I wanted yeah, to—you know—that it's just me selfishly looking for a little bit more action. This is still all—it's—it's. Um, it's, it, this is an incredible international geopolitical thriller of a book. It's incredible, and the fact that it has such a thick layer of spiritual warfare on top of it makes it right up my alley, no matter what. I love this book, but um, at this point, I was hoping that there's a little bit more power of Christ compels you battle, you know? I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to see some exorcisms. Maybe we still get it. Who knows? Yeah, more of... Um... Oh, what is it? Father Giacomo uh, in, in, again, apologies, people who haven't read Father Elijah, but remember the Franciscan that does battle and he comes out with bruises and he makes a few appearances in the book and he sometimes bilocates. Uh, it's just such a, a, a badass character. I, I was hoping that's what Slattery would be in this book too. And uh, he hasn't let me down either. I just feel like it's a little less development than I was expecting of the character and a little bit less... Uh, peeks into spiritual combat well when so. he when he and um when he and uh Wogdilla, the, the 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 detective were out hitting the road when they were on the road um that was that was exciting i mean they're going all over the place they're finding the mother chapel we we still there has to be more on that that i cannot imagine that as as thorough a writer 
as we have here in the form of Malachi Martin. I cannot imagine that he would bring us that far. We still have the diary. We still have Aldo's diary. Remember, he was able to actually see some of the documentation about the enthronement ceremony. Um, so we had the diary that needs to be um, that needs to be transcribed and some kind of a cipher that needs to be uh, applied to to the writing there. And there's still just so much. The box. What about that ornate box? Yeah. That con- that contained everything that. Um, that what what's his name from Virginia the 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 archbishop or the cardinal from Virginia that died uh Leo the they called him Leo yeah 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 they found when he went over there and they found all of that well organized documentation about coven activities all over the place they found a very special box that had what we assume to be all of the information on the on the very important ceremony that was done in 1963 that provided the new world order with the availing time that they are working against so th- there's too many things that are so juicy that have got to that have got to be tied up and I, he's been such a thorough writer i cannot believe that that's going to go untouched no is wogdilla just alive and we're just not in his vignette right now just disappeared forgetting what happened to him Uh, i forget too it's like ever since uh whenever whenever they they were prodding around and this and the and uh slattery got kicked out i uh out of of the country it's almost like the brakes were pumped and um he was given a little bit more of a low-key job now to 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 protect this new order that sessi had helped um create but in the same time, man, he went. He went from you want to talk about the acceleration zero to sixty. He went from one fifty to twenty. It yeah. was just everything slowed down. It's like, damn, they, they, you put him out there under an assumed name. I would have. I would have loved it if he continued to hunt down Satanists like uh, under the cloak and dagger, like the you know the Cardinal of Century City doesn't even know he's there. Right, uh, right. I, I would have kept him undercover. Yeah, so would I. I. We haven't even heard of the Century City Cardinal anymore. It's just, you know, Cardinal, Cardinal Bernadine. I, that, that's that's my favorite part. So I thought that was kind of going to be the main, or at least one of the main two vignettes in the second half of the book, and that's been kind of set down. Maybe you'll pick that thread back up. Absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and with that, another great session, session number eight. Um, th- thanks for everything, Tim. I can't wait for next week. Thanks, Frank. Have have a great week. People don't don't see the new Jurassic Park movie. It's fucking shitty. That's my that's my parting shot. There's barely any dinosaurs, and it's just leftist nonsense. We, I we saw I, I was gonna I the the last Jurassic Park film I saw was um was Jurassic World, and it was so laughably bad. Uh, I did we don't we don't even care. I'm gonna go see Top Gun. I have to go see Top Gun though, and that'll be the first movie I see in quite a few years. And also, Tim, just let you know that today, uh, when I get home, I'm going to do all final tallies and stuff like that. But there, there's going to be a a, a a nice donation made to Theo um, soon, and that's uh, our audience that we 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 collected. We did collections all throughout the week. We had a, another a guest on tonight who said that they they were thinking about um, doing some something nice. So the the GoFundMe is going to be uh, uh, patronized very very soon, and we're all we're all praying for Theo and your whole family. Oh, thank you so much, my my friend. Thanks a million. Again, no. Thank thank you all. Uh, you quite frankly is out there. God bless you guys, and, and thanks so much. And your, your prayers are appreciated as well. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Send our best to the little guy, and we will talk very, very soon. 
Okay, will do, Frank. I'll, I'll text you. Later. Peace. All right, be well. Ladies and gentlemen, there is Timothy Gordon. There he goes. There he goes, and here we are. Um, thank you for another wonderful week. It's 10 o'clock. I am hungry, and all I've had is chocolate. <laughs> but you know what? This is not like eating Hershey's. This is, this is the good stuff. This is good stuff. It's magic chocolate. I, uh, I will see you soon. Thank you for everything. Tomorrow's going to be a very big day for me because I get to throw a lot of things out over here, and I'm feeling so excited because next Monday when I sit down in my little cockpit and we are we are kick off into the new week, it is going to be a clean, clean, smooth, energetic experience. There's going to be rhyme. There's going to be reason. There's going to be order. I hope that you guys all do similar things where you are. Make order out of chaos whether it be a junk drawer, a closet, your car trunk, you'll thank yourself. Then go take a shower and have a shave. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much. We will... Uh, rem oh, just, just as a, uh, just a reminder, we are reading from page 523 to, pa to page 562. Have a good weekend.